0: Welcome to Parenting Vanessa Colon's podcast. Today is going to be more on a personal topic, which are my two dads. It's growing up in a house with divorced parents, which by the way, I think was the best thing that ever could happen to me. I know a lot of people think when I say that, like, what, how can you think that? It really was for me. This is my story. You know, I have a lot of siblings. They have a different story. My parents have a different story. Everyone has a story that in their script in their mind from what they remember and everything else. But for me, this is my story of my two dads. So growing up, my parents were married when I was born, and I had two old other siblings from my dad's previous marriage. And in the end of all this, my dad, after my mom divorced my dad, there was another marriage, so I have another little brother. So there's, a, there's about five of us. Again, we all have a different story. So my story is this. When I was younger, you know, my dad was Lebanese. And there was definitely like a cultural component of like the women, how they talk to the man or how they treat the man. I would go home to see my grandma and my grandma would be like, did you talk to your dad? Did your mom teach you to cook? That was it. It wasn't, hi, how are you? There wasn't a lot of love. So right then and there, it was this like patriarch of like what I need to do and everything else to do it. And my my grandpa was like, I got to be honest, he was like six foot five and huge, huge and a wrestler, you name it. But like he didn't talk a lot. Like I just remember even when he when when I went to this funeral, I mean, the casket was open and his chest and his hand was hanging out. And you're just like, oh, my well, not hanging out. But it was like on top. You could still see everything. That's my last memory. The guy was huge. And there wasn't a lot of, I didn't feel a lot of warmth. Again, my story, I know some of my siblings would probably disagree with me, but this is how I felt. I also look like my mother. I'm blonde hair, you know, similar traits and everything else like my mother. And I don't think she was the most liked person at the time in the family. So it makes sense. You know, I walk in, you know, right away it's like, well, what did your mom teach you? What are you doing? And they just loved my brother. You know, my brother could do no wrong. And I just think that that is like the cultural and the mentality at that time. Like men can do no wrong, right? Like whatever they do, you just forgive and you move on and you go. Well, you know, it was a little different with my mother. So here we are. uh, My dad had multiple affairs and this is where, you know, my mom left. And it was just, it was a lot. And I totally get it and I respect that. And like I couldn't be with someone that was having affairs um, on that piece, but either way she laughed, but I look a lot like my mom. So there was just a lot of stuff that was always coming at me as a kid. And it was just almost like I'm getting punished for my mom's choices or whatnot. And then the divorce happens again, the best thing for me. And the next thing, you know, my mom meets somebody, this amazing person who's Israeli. So understand we go from a Lebanese background, which are Christian Lebanese, to an Israeli, so I always say I always tease my mom. She likes Middle Eastern men, but growing up, you know, here I have a stepdad who is very—I don't want to say conservative, but like conservative in his own way, right? Um, if there was like a somewhere an underwear, you know, commercial, he would make sure that it turns off. You could not watch it with us. Like he's just very conservative in his values and how he is and what he does, and he was very consistent. And he was always there when he said he was going to be there. So here we have now, you know, I have, at this time, let's just say, let's fast forward to, like, my parents were divorced when I was, like, four or five. Fast forward to age eight. So now I have two sets of parents. Okay, completely different. And by the way, my stepmom's from Germany. My stepdad's Israeli. My dad is, you know, here. My mom's, you know, here. I mean, not, not I mean, their culture, whatever, but... Um. So they come in, and as a kid, I, I have these vivid memories of every time my dad was going to pick me up from school, I would go homesick. And there was a sense of, like, I I just never wanted to be with my father. He was always, you know, cracking jokes. He was constantly... Like if it was Sunday and there, there was a football game, you know, he would lock the door and keep us outside He'd be like, okay, you guys are need do yard work while the whole game's going on. He never really wanted to be with kids. I didn't feel like he really wanted to have children. I think it was almost like, oops, I had these kids and this is what I'm doing. And whenever I was with him, he was always talking about my mom, like always, it was always your mom did this, your mom did that. And it got to a point where like, even going, don't mind my dog in the background, it's just going to happen throughout this podcast. And even when I would, you know, even as like going into my teenage years, it was always the same, stop, it was always the same thing, you know, about my mom. My mom, oh, she just wants money or she wants all these things. It was never about my relationship with my dad. It was never this, this relationship where he got to know who I was. It was always, well, Vanessa's strong, she can do things, she's going to do anything that she wants to do, which is great, but I needed a father, now let's go to my home where I am. I have a stepdad who, if I lied, got yelled at. I, it was always yelling at me. It was always, you need to be honest. He never left my mom's side. And if he says he was going to pick me up at 2 o'clock, he was going to pick me up at 2 o'clock. If my dad, if my, I call him the sperm donor, it might come that way. If my dad, my actual biological father said pick me up at 2 o'clock, it might happen or it might not. So you just didn't know what was going to happen, you don't know what you were going to get on that side of the family. And again, this is my story. My siblings might completely disagree with me, and that's okay. We're allowed to have different stories because we had different marriages, and he lived at different. He lived with different families, with different kids at different times. It's all different. But for me, he always saw me as somebody that, like, oh, she's going to be fine. She's going to do it. She's pretty. She's going to get married and everything else. So there was a sense of like, well, I don't need to worry about Vanessa. And then my stepdad, who worried about every little thing I did, you go out at, late at night and he would be up, he would be awake until you walk in the door. You know, I would go to him and see my dad, I'm sick, and he's like out the door for work, which I get it, like not, a, you, you have to work, but he could have, you know, done a little bit more. But my uh, then my stepdad's like, okay, he checks on me in the morning, then he comes back in the afternoon, and then checks on me for lunch. Like I have five check-ins, like I actually stopped telling my dad when I'm sick because it's almost too much. So you have to understand the comparison right there that I'm able to be like, okay, what does a child need to feel secure? What does a child need to feel loved? And then as I've gotten older, you know, like my graduation, for example, my graduation was I called my dad and here you go. You know, he had to do something else. Well, he didn't. He didn't do anything. He never showed up to my graduation. And here my dad, my my stepdad was for, was anything I did, he always said he was going to be there and he was there. So consistency, again, is a really big deal. And going back to being sick, like, I think that I was a little spoiled. I mean, like, I was spoiled. Like, if I'm sick, my parents, like, checked on me five times a day, like, a little too much to so the point where, like, as an adult, I found myself, like, I was with my ex one time, and I had, um I was throwing up. I had food poisoning. I wasn't feeling good. And he's like, well, I'm going out with my friends. And I was like, dumbfounded. Like, what? What, what are you doing? but that's how he grew up. Like, it's okay. Like you just take care of yourself. Not a big deal, but I'm the opposite. I am completely independent in every single way in my life and everything else. But when I get sick, I'm a baby, you know? And then here I am fast forward at age 30, I have surgery. And then I, day two of my, after my surgery, my ex left me. He's like, I can't handle this. And and I can't even move to get food. Right. So here I am with somebody that I'm about to marry and he's gone. So like, I just don't understand like these patterns that I see and it's like what I attract and how do you work through that? And to me now knowing that like when, even if I have like a little headache or if I have something like, I want someone to be able to check in and say, Hey, how are you? And I think because I've had such crazy comparisons of parenting in all levels. Like, you know, you go to one house, it's one thing. You go to another house, it's another. And like, what is right and what's wrong? I have no idea, but what does it feel right to you? You know, for me, when, when I was left with, you know, after my surgery and I don't want that in a partner, but yeah, I did marry him, which obviously didn't work out. So, you know, blessing in its own disguise in a weird way. Just wasn't the right time. But like, as you're looking for things and as you're looking at how you grew up and what parenting looks like and what makes you feel secure as an adult, these are the things that come up. And for me, my, I, the sperm donor father that I had, I don't know if, where I'd be without my stepdad. My stepdad has showed me so much love and compassion. I mean, I remember when my sister was in the hospital and they, she couldn't eat for 24 hours. My dad didn't eat for 24 hours. Like that's the stuff that you, you look at those little things. You're like, wow. He's like, I'm not going to eat. And then, I, and even like someone bringing a snack in to the hospital, the, the room, no, he's not going to do that either. You don't do that. It's rude. There was always a sense of sensitivity of thinking of the other person with my stepdad. It's always thinking where they're coming from. When you're really angry, Feel sorry for them. Come from a different place. Look at their perspective. Look at things differently versus my dad who's like, blame, blame, victim, victim, blame, blame, victim, victim mentality all the time. Where it's like, well, are you going to call and ask about, you know, if my sister if my asked my dad, are you going to call and ask? Oh, no, she's fine. She can handle it. She's independent. She's always going to be fine. She's going to do anything. And then every time he did something that knew he hurt my feelings, I get a piece of jewelry in the mail. Obviously, started looking at my mom's jewelry box because so she's got a lot of jewelry, so there's, you know, a pattern with his behavior, too. But where I started sending jewelry back, I'm like, you can't buy – you can't buy a child's love. You can't buy – affection. You can't buy those things. Those are things that are so special and earned. A piece of a ring is not going to change it or a pair of diamond earrings or whatever you're going to p- give at, pass at me for not coming to my graduation or not calling on my birthday or doing something else. So like, I'm lucky and unfortunate to have such a comparison because my dad, my stepdad, would never do that. He would be there and he would be emotionally available. And that's where you see a difference for me and my work that I'm doing is always being honest, always thinking of the other person. And how do you make that person feel secure? Because money doesn't buy things. Money can't make you happy. But it's the things that you do in the everyday life that matter. Like my memories as a child when I'm sick. I'm going to get my tea in the morning. And I'll take my blue cup. I, I I even have the cups. I asked my mom for it. It's in my kitchen right now. And with the honey and the tea and the lemon. And then you're going to get the call around like 11. And then 12 o'clock they're going to come home. Because my dad made sure that my mom, they lived close enough to come by the school. And whenever we were homesick or so They can easily do anything that we needed to do. And then they come back and check on us again. Even though that was really annoying at the time. And you're just like, oh, God, stop. But when you don't have that, you see the difference. When you have a parent that's completely inconsistent and empty in your life, and then another parent that's stepping in who's not biological, it's a very big different thing. And for example, like my grandma, who was completely so cold. And just, I don't know, like everyone has these great memories of her. I don't have one. I mean, I used to cry to go see my grandma. And so after that, I mean, even when my grandma passed away, like she was sick and she actually apologized to me. And I gotta tell you, that was one of the most profound moments. Cause it's like, forgiveness is a really big deal for me and letting go, like not holding on to things. You have to let things go. You can't hold on to it because it just eats at you inside, in my opinion. And, like, it just goes. And it, I don't think it's healthy in any way. So we have one side of my grandma. Again, let's go back to my stepdad's grandma, Softa, who is, like, five foot, I don't know, or four foot eight probably. who didn't speak a word of English. And I met her. And all of a sudden it was, like, this bond that I can't even explain. It was so strong. Again, no English It was all the nonverbal communication. It was all those things that meant something to me and all the memories. Even to the point, like, okay, you might not think this is funny, but it was really funny. I mean, I remember one time she was pretending. She's a smoker back in the day, and she would smoke. And so, like, she put a cigarette close to my arm, and I actually, like, bumped into it on accident and kind of burned myself. But it was just one of those moments of, like, oh, Vanessa, really... But like we laughed at it and I know it was a joke and it was not anything there, but it was just, it just came from love. It was just, we were always teasing one another. And I think I did something else with another hot pan. I don't even know. So before you go thinking that this was just not fun, it was very different than what it is. And so please no judgment because she's one of the most amazing human beings I've ever met. And you could feel the love. You don't need to know the language. You don't need to speak a word to know how you feel when you walk into a room with people that love you. (laughs) And my dog loves me, as you can see. So with that, I want you to talk, think about, as you're parenting and as you're creating memories with your child, what will they remember? It's not the items. It's not the gifts. It's the memories. It's the time spent. It's the, it's the traditions that you do and the quality time. And I'm very lucky that my parents are divorced because I don't know where I'd be right now not seeing how another man or a partner would be with someone in their life. Because my dad has been there every single time. He might not be able to tell you every little detail about me when it comes to my schooling or what I'm doing and everything else, but he could tell you how I was feeling every step of the way, what was going on with me emotionally. He was always emotionally available and that to me is what parenting is about and I'm grateful for such an amazing dad that I call Ben and I love him those are my two dads and with that do what you want